Welcome to Anyone Can Play Guitar, a podcast where we try to learn every single Radiohead song on guitar in order. I'm Nick Kendallsberger. And I'm Austin Diaz. Austin, we did it! This is the end. We're at the end. I was looking forward to this set of two albums basically since we started. I mean, not basically, since we started. I've been looking forward to these two albums since we started. Uh, Not knowing how it was going to work out, I feel like it's worked out pretty well, even though, I mean, the guitar playing has been interesting. It has challenged me. Like, I feel like I'm having to approach the guitar in a different way. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I feel like I got into kind of a groove where I can only play certain kinds of songs, so it's been fun to kind of mix things up. On that note, before we get started, I had a question. Do you think with this project you've gotten better at the guitar? I am playing the guitar more often, which is good. You know, when you get older, sometimes you just need an excuse to play. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like I had been out of habit. I don't know if I'm making leaps and bounds, and I'm certainly not at where I was in college, I don't think. How do you feel? I feel technically I'm definitely not where I was in college. And I don't know. I mean, every once in a while I'll play or try to play a non-Radiohead song to see if it is better or if I can play it easier or if I can learn another song easier and that's not necessarily the case but what I have noticed is I feel like my ear is much better I can pick out tunes easier like I don't have to always look at the tab I can like pick things out easier if I just want to be like okay what is that like and I can sort of figure it out which I wasn't really able to do that much before with this and I just sort of I think how their music works it's like improved my sense of harmony and pitch and melody and stuff I think that's very true because some of these some of these songs are so popular that you can find a tab of every single note that you need to find. But then on some like these B-sides say there's nothing at all. So you have to (laughs) the chord book is sort of less than useless. The and then there's barely anything written about it online and so you just have to sit there and fiddle around until you get something close and then that's actually a really good thing i think that i'm just picking things up quicker like in terms of just the chord shapes and voices and stuff like that i mean just think about when you were 16 years old or whatever you could practice for a few hours every night i would just lay in my bed with the guitar on my stomach and play Uh for until i fell asleep all right, but we now, I mean, it was just, this is going to be a long episode anyway. Okay, we got to keep going. Okay, so here's my here's our plan, I think. First, we're going to just nail the old B-sides, Amnesiac B-sides. So we'll start with the Pyramid song single. Okay. And then we'll do the Knives Out single. And then we're going to kind of talk about Kid Amnesia yeah. and some of the songs on there and our final thoughts on the, that project. And the era, yeah, the era in general. And the era in general. All right. Are we going to pick a favorite B-side at the end? Sure, why I have, not? I have an answer. I might just disclose it. Um, no, um, you can't tell me now. You got to wait. No, I might tell you. I, I mean, well, you'll be able to tell by how I talk about it, probably. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> All right, so we're starting with the Pyramid Song, which means Amazing Sounds of Orgy.
So the amazing sounds of orgy. What a title. What a title. This is like one of those. It's not. I didn't play it that much. I played it along with the track. So you sort of, if you just sort of sit there, you're just like trying to figure out what to do with these different forms of A. That said, I like this song a lot, mainly because of the drums, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, and they just sort of commit to it. It's not like a gimmick. It's like, no, this is the song we're writing. Yeah, this is a weird one because, yeah, there's two drums, essentially. Right. And when they played the song live around the King of Limbs era, they had two drums and two basses. Like, I don't know how how much it is that he's pedaling, or if it's just, like, that... It's chromatic, and he's just walking his... He's just walking right. one note down. It's just a know? downward progression. I kind of find the music kind of not that interesting, I always like this song. I like how it sounds, the atmosphere of it all. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really go anywhere. It's kind of just a loop that goes over and over again. These B-sides are like the Ben's B-sides, where like Radiohead is sort of wearing their influences on their sleeves and showing like what sort of band they could be or could have been. And I think that people like these B-sides and like the Bins B-sides because like, ah, it almost offers you this alternate world that like Radiohead could just master this type of music, this atmosphere. And you would, Mm -hmm. you know, there's people that just like glom onto that. I mean, it's not necessarily mine, but I can understand why people would be into it. Just the sound. And you're like, okay, they do this so well. Like, please just do this. I think that's really true. You know, I'm, we're going to go back and forth on these songs, but I, I do kind of like them and that I like them because they're strange and a little off kilter. This one has never been my favorite, but I've never disliked it. I was listening to them perform it. I think, what was it like Austin city lights, which is pretty funny. City limits. Ooh. Austin city limits. <laughs> Ooh, sorry, Texas. Um, <laughs> And they played this song and it kind of made me be like, oh, wow, maybe I do like that song more than I thought I did. Yeah, I mean, that's a, but it's also a really good performance of that song. It is a good performance. I don't know if there's two basses on this recording of it, because the basses really do make it on that performance. And then it, it did take me a while to program the drums for this one, mm-hmm. for the snippet we played at the beginning, because it's a little, it's very swing Right. And uh, you have to get the groove of it. Before he played this at that performance, he talked about how this was when he was just sort of totally obsessed with the banking system and mm. was predicting its downfall. So, yeah, I, I like it. I don't I don't have much more to say about it. I find it a, a very interesting sound, but the song doesn't really go anywhere. Mm-hmm. There's no other part to it, I guess. Once you learn the first part, it's that's it. Right. I mean, I like the... The verse three or whatever, like the where they just repeat so glad, so glad you're mine. There's something sort of so sinister about that. Yeah. I guess the best part of the song is when the drums really kick in at the end. Yeah. Where they go boom, dum, dum, Maybe not for me, but it's one of those songs where like it has that drum kick in and so there's a reason to listen to the whole thing. It's like how so many people listen to that Phil Collins song in the air tonight. <laughs> just you know, they listen to that song for what three minutes before the drums come in and then everyone's like oh it's so iconic which i mean okay it's great this is radiohead's phil collins moment i like it yeah well (laughs) sure (laughs) 
we can we can we can keep that in yeah okay <laughs> all right well let's keep rolling here yeah so the next one is transatlantic drawl Part of me feels like this song is not to be taken seriously. It seems almost comical in how it's set up, where it's this sort of very aggressive beginning and then just tacks on an instrumental part at the end that has almost no connection to it. Do you have any connection? No, it's ad-lib keys. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's what the book says? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> just mess around a bit yeah, yeah. and it, it's kind of a silly bass line I mean it's very catchy yeah that said it's pretty fun and it's fast and the guitars are very loud and it's about Iraq the lyrics actually are pretty amazing I was born for your magazine. I'm trapped in the society page of your magazine. <laughs> it's almost like the it's the song that Tom wanted to write when he sat down to write Pop is Dead. Um, I don't know. I all of a sudden had this connection when I was like listening to this song and like working through it, looking at the lyrics. I'm like, oh, this is Tom's more mature version of Pop is Dead. Oh, okay. You know, like this shows that he's grown and he's older and wiser and... You know, he knows how to, like, put it a bit better. Um, I mean, I guess because it's based on a quote that he heard on a CNN interview with uh, somebody, Aziz from Iraq or something. And it says, like, it's not, you know, do you see the light at the end of the tunnel? It's like, no, after that tunnel, there's just another tunnel. <laughs> you know, which is... Right, which is an insane thing that someone said. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have that much to say about this song. There's, I don't like, either. Like, I can listen to it, whatever. Like, I played along with it. Yeah, these Pyramid song B-sides are, I feel like, all of a piece and that they're less song-focused and more just about the atmosphere that they create. This one especially, I find. It's just like... It's like they had this thing and it was really fun. Yeah. And then they did it. I always find it so weird of Phil's part. You know, it's a pretty thrashy kind of song, but the... Actual drum part is very restrained. Do you think Phil can do... I mean, like, he can do thrashy, but do you think, like, his soul allows him (laughs) to do it? I think he's, like... I I think he's so talented and such a controlled drummer, and there's, like, so many things that he can do, and he's like, "Uh, I'm not going to go back to my teenage Pablo Honey days. I'm just going to play as controlled as I possibly can. I do also love the what sounds like fake horns that like I mean they're definitely like keyboard horns, right? I mean like it doesn't Right. It doesn't sound real at all. It sounds very very strange. When this one comes on, I'm always I always smile a little bit. Yeah, no, I I don't skip over it. I mean this is not a skip over song. But I don't seek it out that much. No. Yeah, I don't like, oh, I need to listen to Transatlantic Troll. 
We're gonna keep going here. It's time for Fast Track. I kind of like it and explain it definitely is just kind of a groove but i think that they kind of nail it on the kid amnesia album where they chop it in half and make it more percussion focused Mm -hmm. i mean the uh, kid amnesia version is much better i think it is because the one that's the b-side has the voices in it that just go um num 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 yeah and i don't like i just don't i don't like that so much i'm not sure what that does or where what they were thinking with that i don't mind it but then when they did the essentially what they call it fast track alt on the kid amnesia i was like oh i get it like this is just a little link track Right, And I think that it would have worked really well as a link track if they had put it on. And I think it works really well on Kid Amnesia. And it might have been a nice little thing to throw on Amnesiac. Not the version that's the B-side, but the shorter version. Because it's, mm. there, you know, there's no lyrics or anything. Sometimes feel as though I'm not on the same wavelength as the band with certain things. Because I can tell, like, they like this groove. Okay. And I, I just don't get into it okay no like i think that it's just like a it's a influence and musical direction that they like that i don't uh yeah i can totally get how someone could sort of just be getting into radiohead and put on some of these amnesiac b-sides and be like i don't i don't know what's going on this is not what i want to hear but after going through all of that period and especially because amnesiac is is really dark these kind of have a playfulness to them that even if it's sort of just an instrumental, they're kind of fun. Right. I mean, I, I like in general on this, especially on this EP, that the songs are sort of like, uh, you know, they're not as filed down. Kid A much more so than Amnesiac, but like everything on Kid A, for example, is just like filed down and like slotted into a very exact spot. And Amnesiac's a bit more wooly, but it's still like the songs are worked over this one is not i mean like they probably they probably like did a they probably did a lot of work i mean like anything if you read through the ed's blog you just realize like how many times they're working on everything right. over and over again you know so they probably did they did a lot of work on this song probably but weren't perfectionists about it i couldn't have said it better myself let's move on to kinetic yeah. Did you imagine a world when you were reading about this song where this song was where Idiotech is on Kid A? Because originally it was. Right. It boggles my mind. I'm not a big fan really? <laughs> of Kinetic. Yeah. Why? I feel like this is 100% a song I should like, and I feel bad that I don't like it. But this is one of those that I never, I, I skip this one when it comes on. Oh, man. 
And no. li- listen to everything that's here. Like the drums are based on a sample from Bitches Brew. Oh, I know. I I should love this. I adore this song. You adore this song? This song I seek out. I huh. like of all of the B-sides on this EP, I just go and put this one on. Oh, that's crazy. Really? There's not much going on in the guitar, right? But like, I like that, like... Please keep moving. Better keep... I mean, like, it's just cool. Okay. And then how they just throw in once, they're like... Waited for you, but you never came. And they just have it once. Right? That is true. You, you have to, like, listen time. to the whole song for this, like, really cool, like... Waited for you, but you never... It's just awesome that they're like, no, and then the sample is, I have a question for you. Coldplay and Travis are sort of the children of the bins. And then there's like, Muse is maybe the children of the child of OK Computer. What bands are the children of Kid A Amnesiac? I mean, because I feel like with this song, Kinetic, uh-huh. um, you have, I can immediately think of Bands like Churches, Purity Ring, even a strain of hit like a bedroom hip hop or something that sort of like calls back to this song, even if they don't know it. Okay. I mean, I feel like there's so much like early 2010s music in this song that I really like. I mean, I do feel guilty that I don't like it. I think that maybe my part of my issue is the sounds at the beginning that kind of run through it, the sort of backwards sounding parts. The best part of the song? No, the best part of this song are the drums, that sort of like lazy groove, right? I'm I'm flabbergasted that you don't like it. You're flabbergasted? (laughs) It's just not much of a song to me, I guess. I do recognize that I should like it. All right. Well, okay, fine. Let's move on to the Knives Out single, and we'll start with Cut Tooth. So this is the actually one of the songs that when Ed was keeping an online diary of workshopping all these songs in the studio, this is the song that he actually mentioned the most. Yeah, it took me forever to read through all of these entries. I was like, when are these entries over so I can know <laughs> everything I need to know about Cut Tooth, at least from Ed? When I was reading through that uh, diary waiting for these albums to come out. I was uh, sh- just sure that Cut Tooth would be on at least one of the two albums, and then it never came out until the B side. You know, and so like, there's this great story and stuff around this song that is not good. Ah, I was wondering. I knew that you wouldn't like this song. I knew, I knew you it. knew it. <laughs> <laughs> so this is their. Even Ed talks about how this sort of sounds like Noi, 
Well, what made Noi interesting is that they would, it's sort of the hypnotic groove that you get into with very simple parts that they can stretch for a long time. Mm-hmm. And little differences end up sounding bigger than they are. The problem, I think, with Cut Tooth is that Radiohead, just being Radiohead, like they can't let it just be there. They have to figure out something like every 10 seconds yeah. to add. And after a while, it just sort of gets frustrating. I was thinking about another band uh, sort of around this time. Wilco had released A Ghost Is Born mm-hmm. and the song Kid Smoke. And that is a song that's longer than Cut Tooth, but it's just the band playing mm-hmm. it in a very stripped down. And that one really does get that hypnotic that groove works. going. But Wilco, yeah. Wilco can do that. And that, I mean, that song's awesome. I'd yeah, like, that song is pretty great. It almost sent me spiraling down just a Wilco rabbit hole again. Because, like, yeah, once I started listening to Wilco, like, there's nothing else that sounds like them. And so you just end up listening to everything that they've done. I know. I went through a big Wilco thing a couple months ago. You were like, oh, okay, I have to listen to Yankee Foxtrot. But then, oh, but now I need to listen to <laughs> Summer Teeth. Okay, yeah. being there, and then I've stopped. Like, no, okay. now we need to go to Ghost's Point. <laughs> Yeah, I, Ghost is Born has really grown on me. Mm-hmm. I I love Yankee Hotel Foxtrot and Summer Teeth. Those are my top two. I do really like A Ghost is Born, and I've tried to get into some of their later albums as well. I really do like Jeff Tweedy's recent solo albums. With his son? Yeah, they're yeah, actually they're really, really good, nice. Yeah. Sometimes they're past, the past two or three Wilco albums have been so restrained as to be a little boring sort of like a late stage author's work where like they don't they don't have any more like syntactical flourishes they're just sort of like right exactly telling the story <laughs> <laughs> i can yeah i totally everyone's like playing as quietly as they possibly can right i feel like this was a fun song for them to play but then radiohead just couldn't leave it be and I think you're right that he can't even just play three chords. He has to like have this variation of the B chord playing mm-hmm. all the time and then two other chords. When I go back and listen to Noi or uh, Can, which was the inspiration for like Dollars and Cents, like I like their I like that stuff. It just Yeah. It's an influence that they have that they can't seem to replicate. Like they seem to really like it and then it just, they just don't end up they can't I don't think they can do this that well. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if this pops up any later, but I guess that's what a band does is they sort of experiment with styles and then you can either see that progress to something better or just give it up and right. move on, you know. I, but it seems like it took them an insane amount of time to release it. I know. Running in circles. I would love to have heard other versions of this song, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least like, like the even first the, version. Like what was right? the first version that was like, oh, this is so good. Let's spend so much time on it. Cause and this, then <laughs> give people this. Because apparently this is a edit of an eight minute version that they did. Right. Which I don't want to hear, but let me hear oh. the <laughs> <laughs> I feel, okay, we need to move on at some point, but I, I feel like it's actually the piano that's, that's throwing us off. Because I think the bass part is really good. But I don't know if we need to overanalyze this no, one. No, I don't. I mean, no. 
I get why people like it and I get why people don't like it too. Yeah. And I mean, but it does go to what I was saying at the beginning. It's still something sort of exciting about this B side because it's just the band really showing you what they are into and like what's yeah. interesting to them. Whereas like, I feel like I think with the okay computer B sides, what they're doing or what they were doing is sort of sloughing off the band that they no longer wanted to be. And so there was nothing sort of exciting in those B-sides because like uh, this is just they've kind of figured it out but it's clear that they're over this phase and they're just sort of pushing out these songs and even with the anniversary edition where they redid the songs that everybody wanted them to release like Lift you know they're still like feeling as though ah, we just want to get this over with like get it out whereas these B-sides yeah. are like ah where are they going to go now I I'm glad they didn't go this way or maybe they did I don't remember that well how much this sort of like th through lines through the rest of their albums cut tooth um, yeah it's a good question we'll have to keep a lookout for things like this but yeah. yeah i totally agree i would much rather have a song like this that i don't love but that's pretty interesting if you look at it than what they were doing in okay computer i mean i i, I do appreciate that it's very different i just don't like it all right, moving okay. on. The next song is Worrywort. this song yeah it's amazing lot. oh it's so good <laughs> oh it's like a brush of there after the cut tooth i was like yeah yep i loved playing that too over and over again and then just like just this yep. like it's so like relaxing and peaceful it is my daughter even was just like, oh, yeah. She was like humming it around the house. Yeah. Hanging. I mean, it's so it's amazing. This more than any of the songs feels like a Ben's era B side. Mm -hmm. Where it's just a yeah, like you were saying, like a breath of fresh air Tom vocal. It has, yeah, just a strange beauty. And it has a like, tch, 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 like that kind of like the drumming, that not drumming, but like that kind of like fluttering in the background. Like, I think that Tom's actually beatboxing a bit. I've liked this B side since it was released. Mm -hmm. And it was one I always kept as like my little secret that I loved. Cause some of these B sides just you can, you don't want to show them to people. And this is absolutely one of them where Tom's voice is so beautiful. <laughs> and magical feeling to it. It is a very simple song. So I get like, you don't want to make too big of a deal of this song because like, there's really only two chords, but what they're able to do is wrap these lines around. So there's the first line and then there's another line that they put on top of that. The words are actually pretty great. And what I didn't know, I, I was really actually surprised that when I started digging into this, how much I loved the lyrics. And part of the lyrics are inspired by the 
the love song of Jay Alfred Proof Rock. Yeah, which made me like reread that poem, which I haven't mm-hmm. done in a long time, and I was kind of floored by reading that. Yeah. Let us go, you and I, while the evening is spread out against the sky like a patient etherized on a table. <laughs> I've memorized that poem. Oh, you have? I could wow. do the whole thing, but I won't uh, do it. So did you always know that this song was referencing it? Not always. Like, I heard the song before I read the poem. But then mm-hmm. when I read the poem, I was like, ah, this is maybe like the worry word. I mean, like, it's not so much to say about the song other than like, I really like it. Because there's so many just mm-hmm. like the chords and the lyrics and he had the J. Alfred love song of J. Alfred Proofrock. I was really worried you weren't going to like it. I'm kind of surprised. Really? I mean, yeah. Uh, how, how long have you liked this song? The first time I heard it. Oh, wow. Okay. But we both kept it to ourselves. Yeah, I guess we really did. <laughs> I, I have to admit that when I was like searching for things about this song, I would, you know, Google Worrywart Radiohead analysis. And there was a lot of like, oh man, this song, I was really depressed. And then I put this song on. Yeah, I read that, I read that Reddit thread too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, then, oh man, this song maybe just kind of peaks to people who have that like fog that falls over them. Yeah. That they need a song like this. Yeah, I mean, but you you need it, and, like, you can put it on repeat, and it's just sort of like a comfort. Yeah. Um, when it gets to the, like, it's such a beautiful day, mm-hmm. I just, like, that's that's wonderful. And go and get some wings. I mean, that's, it's really a great song. Okay. Yeah. So then we don't have to talk about it too much, because we yep. like so, it. So we do move. like it. Wow, that's cool. All right. Now we got to move on to... Fog. Fog. There's a little child running around this house And he never leaves, he will never leave And the fog comes up So I find this song fascinating Mm -hmm. Mostly because you can tell that they could just never figure it out Right, they don't know what this song is Because it's such a simple little song I do really like it. I, I just, if this feels like another old-timey B-side. For me, even more so than Worry Word, this is a the Ben's B-side. Even the chords are so familiar for that era. It's just a little song with two verses. Right. There's not really a chorus. Mm-hmm. This song had no chance of making an album. But I love, I love this verse, like, Baby Alligators... <laughs> In the sewers, who are up so fast, (laughs) right? Anything you want, it can be done. But I do think that, like, listening to this version of the B side, you can tell they threw everything at it that they could. Yeah, they were trying to figure it out. They were like, What does this song need? Like, (laughs) 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 so they were gonna keep it it in, it took us too long, (laughs) like, and it doesn't quite work. No. I like the version that's... I like the B-side version. And yeah. I actually do like the Kid Amnesia version. That's interesting as well. It doesn't quite work there either. No. I like this version better, though. Okay. As opposed I, to the Fast Track version I like better on Kid Amnesia. The mm-hmm. This version I like better. I go back and forth. It doesn't quite work for either. How do you feel about the piano version that was released during the Hail to the Thief era. 
or have you not? Are you not allowed to listen to that? I didn't listen to that yet. When I did play it on piano, mm-hmm. and it's pretty clear that it's a piano song in the way that it moves. I don't love that version either. <laughs> yeah, I guess with, especially with that G to G suspended too. Yeah, that makes more sense on the piano. Like you hear that probably clearer that change. Yeah, and also the minor. Yeah. So that's all the official B-sides until we get to Kid Amnesia. Yes. I do like Kid Amnesia. I'm very fond of it. This the third disc. Well, I think it's really interesting what they did. Let's talk about that really fast. So instead of just (laughs) putting the B-sides on there, which would have made sense, they -hmm. essentially created a whole new listening experience right? where all the tracks kind of flow together. What do you think about it? I listened through it twice, I think, that third disc. And then I was sort of like, okay... Um, I've gone back and listened to the How to Disappear into Strings a lot. Like, I think that's awesome. And also the Pyramid Strings. And then the Morning Bell Dark version is interesting. But otherwise, I didn't find it a very interesting listening experience. Especially because I chose to put Follow Me Around sort of in the middle. And I'm just... (laughs) All right, let's get into Follow Me Around. We've already talked about if you say the word. Right. Go back and listen. That was the other sort of completely unreleased track. Right. And then Follow Me Around is a song that first popped up on Meeting People is Easy, where they actually play it as a full band. Ah, right. It's a very, you know, it's just Tom at the beginning. And then at the end, the band kind of comes in. It's almost like a country song at the end. Mm -hmm. It's very strange. But this was a song that I just assumed would be on the next album, and then it wasn't. Then it showed up here, and I was so excited to hear what they were going to do with it. And it's just Tom playing it on acoustic guitar. Right. I felt like I was back in Pablo Honey era Radiohead. (laughs) And I don't mean that as a compliment. I mean, like, there's (laughs) things I like from Pablo Honey, but not this. Um, I always thought I liked this song. I really have to admit. And then I tried to learn to play it and I was like, oh no. No, I didn't even, I was like, no, not even. I was like, there's enough to learn this week. I'm not going to spare. You're not even. Okay. (laughs) So my God. So. I'm like carsick. Just. Play it. I can't think of another time where learning a Radiohead song has made me like it less <laughs> yeah. as much as this song. I couldn't like it less, and so I was like, I'm not even going to 
I did not want to figure out what they were doing with like do 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 do. I mean, I knew that I knew that's what he was doing. I could see what you were doing there with the drop D, and I was like, I knew that. I was like, I just now I can't. My soul doesn't let me. I just why did I love this song so much? I guess because it was unreleased and it was only in a grainy video that I had heard it. You know, because mm-hmm. meeting people is easy is not a high definition experience. It is a depressing. Lo-fi. <laughs> right, it's lo-fi, and that's what kind of makes it great, is like he's just following them around everywhere they go. Yeah. And, but I find it so fascinating that this is a song that sort of has gained all this notoriety in Radiohead's career. And that they, were, and that they released it with a video with Guy Pierce, right? Guy Pierce. Ah, I, just made, I, I watched that video and I thought, like, people have just lost their minds in the pandemic. <laughs> like... That's what I. That's just what I thought. I'm like, everyone's lost their minds. Celebrities, maybe more so. Like, what is this video? Why are they releasing this? Yeah, what, I, mean, I feel like we're the people that just hate when they release new songs on old albums. That's kind of our thing now. Yeah, we should make a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I do find the like spinning plates with the piano interesting. It's not the best version, but I'm glad it's there. And the, and the fog is kind of interesting. They they were really in this stage of they have one element running through the whole song, right? Like if you say the word is a C minor song, and then like worry word is just those two chords and that ad lib uh, note line the whole time through. It's almost as though they took it as a challenge. Like, see, what can we do when we just really stay around this one chord as much as possible? What do you think about if you say the word? We talked about it at the end of last season when it was officially released, and we were sort of positive on it. But has that changed over the past few months? I don't know if I'm I'm not like not positive on it, but I haven't gone back and listened to it. It's okay. Yeah, I think I listened to it too much when it came out, and I don't I just don't want to hear it right now. I'm so glad it's there. Like I'm so glad we got to hear it. So why are the string, the pyramid strings and how to disappear into strings the best part of this album? Uh, for me, it's just like you can sort of see Johnny coming into his own in terms of arrangements. Like he's building on ideas that he had with climbing up the walls and stuff and just doing something so odd. I don't know. It's just it's it creates such an atmosphere, and there's still good melodies going on. I mean, it's not it's not completely like feel glass territory. Uh, it's not atonal, but there's something sort of an atonal atmosphere about it, especially the how to disappear into strings. That's the best one, isn't it? Yeah, I just remember being not thrilled to see two songs that are just the string parts. But it's not like here are the string parts for those songs. It's like you're hearing the song from a different angle. And so you really get a sense of the how momentous that song is, like how much went into it to make mm-hmm. it sound like it. Well, I mean, because this this how to disappear in the strings, like it could just be its own song, right? It could, yeah, it definitely. Like, I mean, could it be. is its own song here, and it like, is. <laughs> <laughs> but they um, could have released it as a B side at the time, and right. it would have been amazing. Like, I mean, there's a certain point. In the track where you're like, I think maybe at the beginning you're sort of, you still in your head hear the guitar parts and maybe even hear Tom singing. But then it, at a certain point, like that fades away and all there is is the strings, right? Like you don't even need the memory of 
the original song to appreciate it. Whereas maybe with the pyramid strings, you still sort of need that, like the echo in your head of the piano part to appreciate it. This one is just like, nope, I just need this music. So I don't know if we need to do a best. Do we need to talk about our best, the best, or is it just going to be worry wart? Like, Oh, I would. <laughs> Kinetic's my favorite. Kinetic's your favorite. Kinetic's my favorite. Wow, I trash-talked your favorite B-side. Yeah, I know. But, uh, I mean, Worry Wart is a very close second. But Kinetic's my favorite. Yeah, Worry Wart's my favorite. Yeah, So I, I do like these B-sides. I don't like them as much as the Ben's B-sides, but I like them a lot more than the OK Computer yeah, B-sides, sure. which felt like a dead end. Yeah, I, would th- I just felt like sort of... There's like a malaise with the OK Computer B-sides, which I hadn't been expecting, I guess. And then I didn't know what to expect with this set of B-sides. Like, I just couldn't remember that well. Yeah, um, this is sort of like, just check out this weird shit we've been doing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not, and it doesn't have to be any more than that, you know? Like, it is some really weird things going on. And so they work as sort of headphone tracks to just yeah, they're awesome get on lost the headphones. In. they're so good on the headphones and so you know some of them aren't really songs and i don't need to listen to them that often but they're pretty fun it's exciting again i don't know if i should get excited because now we have hell to the thief and i just don't remember i don't, I don't remember i don't either i don't know the last time i listened to the album like it's been Especially the whole album, like from beginning to end. I don't yeah, know the last time I, I don't did either. that. Like there's some songs I think I, ha- I mean. The first half of Hill the Thief really frustrates me. So in my head. And so I'm excited to get back to see how it, what it sounds yeah. like now. Yeah. I'm so like exhilarated by this era of Radiohead. And I knew that I, I knew that I liked it, but it's like, there's something, some, it's sort of, there's something kinetic <laughs> Like you can feel it. Like there's just, it's exhilarating. Like I feel more creative or like more ready to do something or like more engaged, like really listening to this area of Radiohead, which I'm very happy about. I thought like on close inspection, it would sort of crumble a bit and like maybe there's just nostalgia, but there's just, it's just so good. It's even better than I remembered it. It is. I was definitely worried about the same thing that some of these songs that I knew wouldn't have distinct guitar lines at all, you know. They turned out to be amazing songs. Yeah, I'm not ready to leave this era. Mm-hmm. I think that you can live in this era for a while and never get tired of it. I do think that this, you know, I don't know if this is their peak. It It, it is my favorite era for sure. I don't know if it's my favorite era. Because the other day I started thinking about In Rainbows and I'm just sort of like, oh, but maybe... In Rainbows is coming. It is coming. And I don't, I wonder what's going to happen when we get there. Because that album, I also just, I remember loving it. And I know I love like basically every song on that. I do too. I'm, that's the one I'm most excited to learn. Because I never dug in in the same way that I've dug into OK Computer and Kid A. Mm-hmm. I would love to skip to In Rainbows. <laughs> But that's not the point, you know, like we have to go through Hail to the Thief. And so I'm hoping that we learn things that'll help us out for M Rainbows. Yeah, this is the first time where I'm not like, oh my God, I can't wait to go play the next album. Yeah, I don't, I mean, like we still have like work to do on this season. 
as we're, a lot of work as, we're as we're talking <laughs> as we're talking i'm not gonna leave here and go put on hail to the thief right like it was pablo honey like I ran so I could like listen to Planet <laughs> Telex, right? And then like yeah, no, after, we were pretty bummed by the end of Pablo Honey. And yeah. after the bends, it's just like oh, now I get to listen to you know Airbag. Yeah, and then it's like oh my god, Kid A is happening. Yeah, yeah. After, yeah. Kid A and Amnesiac are a pair, but they're so different from each other. Mm-hmm. And I find that endlessly fascinating that you could have two records come out of the same sessions that sounds so different from each other. Just everything from the mood to how the songs are kind of are put together, even just the amount of inventiveness and creativity that went into this era is just astonishing. Yeah. No, it's just a bit sad to be done with it. I mean, like we're not done with it, but like it's, it's a bit, it's a bit sad to that. We've already talked about all of these songs now. Yeah, it's true. All right. Well, that's the end of season three. We'll be back some year for season four, (laughs) where we talk about Hail to the Thief. All the songs on the Anyone Can Play Guitar podcast are by Radiohead and performed by Nick Kendallsberger and Austin Diaz. (laughs) 